Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya, that's Creole for something extra. The legacy of the Vietnam War is on their faces. The children of the American GIs stationed in Vietnam during the war and the local women who bore them left behind and overwhelmingly rejected. Author Wen Fan Kwe Mai braids together the stories of a young mother hoping for a life in America, an adult son searching for the father he never knew, and an American Vietnam War veteran looking for redemption. Dust Child is at once empathetic, devastating, and upbeat, burnished with Kwe Mai's stunning signature prose. Wen Fan Kwe Mai is the author of 12 books of fiction, poetry, and nonfiction written in Vietnamese and English. Her work has been translated into 20 languages. Her first novel, The Mountain Sing, the first written in English, was a runner-up for the 2021 Dayton Literary Peace Prize and other awards, including the 2021 Penn Oakland Josephine Miles Literary Award and the 2021 International Book Award. Dust Child is her second historical novel, and it's our April selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. Author Wen Fan Kwe Mai joins me now from her home in Kyrgyzstan, Central Asia. Welcome back to Under the Radar. Hi, Kelly. I'm so excited to be speaking with you, and thank you so much for having me on the show again. I had a, such a great conversation with you last time. Well, Dust Child is a um, wonderful follow-up uh, to The Mountain Sing. It just has all of your touches, beautifully written, and also just uh, heart-wrenching, the stories of your main characters. So first, um, let's talk about um, how long it took you and how, now, really, what brought you to doing this story? What what attracted you to doing the story? So, you know, it took me seven years to write and research, uh, research and write this novel. But I think the seed of this novel started in when I was uh, a child growing up in Bạc Liêu, you know, in the, uh, the south of Vietnam. And my neighborhood had several Amerasians, uh, children, you know, born from relationship between American GIs and Vietnamese women. And they were very much bullied. And, you know, I... Um, I was bullied myself because my family had moved from northern Vietnam and, you know, um, and I was considered an outcast. So, you know, I didn't dare speak up against the bullies and what they were doing to Amerasians. So I felt a sense of, of guilt within me. In 2015, I read an article on the BBC about um, an American veteran who was returning to Vietnam with a photo of uh, with an album of old photos, walking the street of Saigon, asking people if they knew the woman in the photos. The woman was pregnant with his child and they had lost contact. So the story really moved me. And I was thinking about the American veterans, you know, who who were now, you know, older and 
maybe not having so many years and desperately looking for their kids. So I reached out to an organization that, uh, that um, you know, helped American veterans find their children in Vietnam. And I interviewed, um, you know, like eight veterans who had been spending years searching for, for their American children. And I interviewed in, I interviewed some of them and their stories, you know, made me sleepless. Like, and I asked one of them, why don't you write a letter to your former girlfriend and you tell her why you had abandoned her and why you are looking for her? And he wrote me a one-page letter and I translated into Vietnamese and I cried so much and I had it published on Tui Che, the national newspaper of Vietnam. And, you know, after three weeks, I received an email from a woman and she told me, I may know someone who knows the veteran who wrote the letter in your article. And, you know, I called her, talked to her for 15 minutes. And after 15 minutes, she told me, I'm the one in the the letter. Mm. I'm the one. And, you know, it it was unbelievable. And she cried so much to me. And she, she said, do you know, I haven't told any single soul for more than 40 years. Because when I was pregnant, he left me. I had no choice. I worked in a bar. I had to give my child away to an orphanage. And there is no single day that I, that I don't think about the daughter I had abandoned. And, you know, and so I connected them, they, they talked and they cried and he went back to Vietnam and they met and they talked. Yes. So this is one of the, the stories that inspired the book, you know, the, the stories of Amerasians and their parents are little known, you know, and as we speak, right. there are so many people searching for each other. So I've been assisting Amerasians in Vietnam in their search for their parents. Yeah, these are the stories. I mean, this is this the stories of when you built this fabulous um, novel. I mean, I think it's important um, for the listeners to know that there's real history, real lives based on the fictional lives that you created in your book to be able to explain the scenario of what happened when the GIs left Vietnam in uh, 1973, 1975, and then um, there were all these people left behind wearing the legacy of the war on their faces, as I said, because they look different from your average Vietnamese, and it put the young women in a bad position. Many of them abandoned the children because... They were fearful of the communists, and it put the kids in a bad position because many of them didn't know who who fathered them, and um, and they were rejected by society. And you know the 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 rejection faced by Amerasians were like uh, multi layered. First of all, they were considered children of the enemy. They were considered, you know, uh, losers of the war. So they, you know, they. From, from the winning side, you know, and also because, you know, they were abandoned, they were illiterate. So they had to do many things to survive. So then they were put in prison, in re-education, re-education camps. They were looked down upon, you know, and a lot of them, because they were homeless, they were uh, called Bụi the dust of life. Um, you know, so, so you know, even the Amerasians in Vietnam um, are still dis- disadvantaged against 
and those who made it to the U.S. because, you know, they went to the U.S. when they were so um, like teenagers and they hadn't had the chance to learn English or to go to school, you know, in the U.S., you know, they they also struggled a lot. So I think, and, you know, um, and like you said, the my book, even though it's fictional, it's based on so many real life events such as the buying and selling of Amerasians, you know, um, by by Vietnamese families who wanted to escape Vietnam and who wanted to take advantage of the implementation of the Amerasian uh, Homecoming Act. Right, which uh, happened in 1987. So the war is over, or the withdrawal of the troops in 1973. Then in 87, Congress passed the Amerasian Homecoming Act that allowed children in Vietnam who were born of American fathers during the war to immigrate to the U.S. So in some ways, these rejected um, young people then became somewhat valuable to others who were trying to scam their way into the U.S. And that put them again in an untenable position, which I think you articulate very well through one of your characters, Fong. Um, And one of the things that I, I, I wanted to make clear about your book when we talked uh, with your first book, The Mountain Sing, a lot of that history felt so far away, you know, that you based it on history that felt very far away with, with you know, understanding of, of what the legacy was today. This, this, of course, is still right now. I mean, it's not that far away, and it's still right now. We're talking uh, post-50 years after the war has ended, and there's an estimate that you know, there are thousands and thousands of Amerasian kids uh, in Vietnam looking for or being rejected or looking for their relatives. That's a lot of people um, that are disconnected from, you know, their their rightful parents. So it's interesting because the other part of your book that I wanted you to talk about is that the other side, which you a little bit talked about in your real life stories, is that the GIs on this side, many of them have become involved, actively involved in either one, trying to find their own children, but B, just trying to go back and make those connections for other people. So that's a big part of your book as well. Yes. I mean, um, you know, I I wanted to have a book that highlight the experiences of not only Amerasians, but their parents, you know, uh, what had driven them into the decisions of abandoning their kids or their pregnant girlfriends. Um, so so I think because, you know, in this book, I wanted to, to talk about the trauma, which is experienced not just by Vietnamese people or Amerasians people, but also Americans, you know, because over the years I've worked with a lot of American veterans and I know deep down they are still so traumatized, many of them. A lot of them have been doing amazing things to to help each uh, other people heal. And in my book, you know, Dan is one of those veterans who come back to Vietnam. And in the end, he realizes that he can do so much to help people in need. And, you know, um, and, and I really write this, want to write this book to highlight, you know, the need for all of us to see the humanity of the other side. Because, you know, g- growing up in Vietnam, I was told that American soldiers were killer, you know, were killing machines without any human emotions. Um, and, you know, like the first time that I went uh, to the U.S. in 2008, 
I really refused to go into the Vietnam uh, um, Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. because I, I told myself I could not honor those who had contributed. And my husband came out and he pulled my hand and he said, you know, come in because if you don't go in, you're going to regret it. And I went in, you know, I and I saw the... I saw so many names and then I saw the letters at the foot of the le- uh, of the wall and I picked up one of those letters it was written by the son of a you know of a fallen soldier who had written to his father and said you know father today is my daughter's birthday I wish you were here to blow the candle why did you have to go to Vietnam why did you have to die and I stood there and I I cried and I, you know, it was the first time for me to really experience the humanity, you know, of of those I had considered the enemy, you know. I had not thought about them as 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 those with, with children, with parents, you know, with relatives. Because, you know, being growing up in Vietnam and being educated in Vietnam, I was brainwashed, you know. And and when you were like brainwash as a child you you had certain perceptions that were difficult to change and that letter really changed me and I went back to Vietnam and I started to translate literature by American veteran and I facilitated you know poetry reading and I took veterans around Vietnam to visit you know uh, their former battlefield and I think I couldn't have written this book without those real life experiences, you know. And I think as a writer, I want to present, you know, history through different perspectives. I want to highlight the humanity of all sides with the wish for more healing and reconciliation. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Wen Fan Kui Mai, the author of her new novel, Dust Child. Well, I want to make clear to my listeners that this is not a nonfiction book. This is a fictional book. This is a historical novel um, in which you have used your uh, formidable skills, um, Kwemai, um, to write uh, this lyrical prose to tell the stories, these incredible gut-wrenching stories of your characters. And in that, you have a little bit of um, an edge because you're a poet to begin with. So once again, we see a lot of poetry on the pages with your the way that you describe um, the scenery, the imagery, all of that is is really important. And again, uh, something that I loved in your first book that you continue in the second is there are a number of Vietnamese proverbs um, really based in the culture of your characters. Talk to me about that and why it's important for you to have that as part of the storytelling. Oh, thank you so much for noticing the way I have tried to insert my poetry <laughs> into the book. I think in writing my fiction, I cheat a little bit <laughs> because I want the readers to enjoy my poetry. And I think, you know, poetry is so important to the Vietnamese life. You know, the Vietnamese from, uh, poet from Quan said, Có những phút ngã lòng tôi viện câu thơ và đứng dậy. In moments of difficulty, I hold on to the verse of poetry and pull myself up. So, you know, um, I I wrote poetry when I was little in my diary and I grew up listening to poetry from 
national radios and public radios. And, you know, Proverbs is our daily language, you know. And I wanted to present Vietnam beyond the war. Even though, you know, I'm compelled to write about the Vietnam War, to call for peace, to call for healing. But I think it's important to see Vietnam as a country with more than 4,000 years of history, uh, with very rich literary uh, traditions, you know. Like in my book, I talk about, you know, Vietnamese national epics that are written, you know, in, in, in thousands of uh, verses of poetry. And in fact, you know, um, Zhang, um, main character in my novel, she works as a bar girl and prostitute, but she is a poet and she remember and she remembers by heart the tale of Kiều, Chuyện Kiều, you know, with more than 3,000 verses. And this is, you know, very common in Vietnam that, you know, we we know poetry by heart and we, we narrate poetry, you know, to uplift ourselves. And, you know, I, I, I want to bring that spirit and the, the joy of our daily life into the book. So this is also, this is a heartbreaking and sorrowful story, but there are moments of laughter, poetry of music. And, you know, um, in my book, I, I present from my Amerasian character, not as victim, but though as an artist, because he's a carpenter, he's also a musician of, of Vietnamese uh, traditional music. So he, he plays, you know, uh, the um, instruments for Cái Lương, um, I could say this kind of music is the music of workers and farmers. So, um, so I made up this song about uh, my my thanks to the readers. Okay, so I'm going to to sing a little bit of it. Bạn đọc ơi, hôm nay các bạn đã về đây đoàn tụ. Nhìn những gương mặt thân thương tôi như thấy mình mắc nở ân tình. Từ thuở con thơ tôi đã tự nhủ mình rằng một ngày tôi sẽ viết nên những câu chuyện về quê hương xứ sở với những nhân vật như bạn như tôi. Okay, so this is a part of um, of the song that I'm going to sing on my book tour. <laughs> so it's, oh, it's wonderful. So so it's it's like a, a vòng cổ song, but it's you know uh, it's like um, um, my words of thanks to to my readers. And and that's my guest Wen Wen Fan Quay Mai singing from a song that she wrote especially for her new novel Dust Child. Now I did want to get you to read an excerpt from the book. Um, I'm thinking since we just we've been talking about Fong, who, whose father was a black GI, and he's in the book uh, trying desperately to uh, get his rightful chance to go to the United States to find him through the um, uh, the Amerasian Homecoming Act, and it's, it's proving difficult in many different ways. I wonder if you'd read uh, from page 150. Located near Damsen Park, the transit center was packed with more than a thousand Amerasians by the time Fong arrived. Built and funded by the American government, it was managed by Vietnamese. The Chen Lai who stayed there had been homeless and came from the countryside. They were either waiting for their visa interviews, for their flights, or for another chance. 
Everyone's case was different, but all hoped to leave. After registering and answering countless questions from Vietnamese officers, Phong was given food to eat and a room to share with five other boys. As months passed and his efforts to reapply for a visa failed, his hopes dwindled. Apparently, many trẻ lai had been associated with fake papers and the American government decided to apply strict rules. Phong wasn't sure what these rules were. Visa officers were the ones who decided. Those in the center often talked about a visa officer known as Mr. 10% who rejected 90% of the visa applications he handled. They hoped to be interviewed by others who appeared to be more generous, but even so, some of them only granted visas to around 30% of their cases. In 1997, the center was shut down. Phong was 25 years old and once again homeless. He had only worked odd jobs a few times during the last four years, and now he needed full-time employment. He went back to the bus station, only to find no job openings. Sitting at the bus station for hours, he stared at the people arriving and leaving. Saigon had rejected him like a body rejecting a foreign object. He knew that the Mekong Delta, which he had visited countless times while working on the long-distance bus, was rich with rice harvest. The perfume of such harvest lingered in his mind and called to him. He got off the bench and hung onto the back of a truck, telling himself he would go as far as the truck would take him. After an entire day of traveling, the truck made its final stop. He jumped down. He was in Bạc Liêu, a small province on the southern tip of the Mekong Delta. He wandered around, noticing dark-skinned people like him. He learned that they were ethnically Khmer. They were poor but known to be hardworking. Their skin color made him feel he belonged. That's my guest, Wen Fan Kui Mai, and she's, that's, she's reading from her book, Dust Child, her new novel. I'm sorry, I wanted to add that. Um, so Fong um, is the Amerasian in the book, and uh, Amerasians in Vietnamese are called Chai Lai. So in the book, in the excerpt that I just read, um, you know, I was referring to Chai Lai. But the Dust Child... Um, I was very fascinated by many of these um, kids, young people. I'm saying young people are their different ages were called um, children of the dust or dust child. Um, and that is because they were homeless. I, I just couldn't figure out where the dust connection came from. Yes. So um, in, in in Vietnamese, if uh, people were homeless, um, they are called bụi đời. So it doesn't just mean uh, bụi đời means the dust of life. And this doesn't just mean Amerasian, but any Vietnamese who's homeless. So, so you know, Phong was uh, was uh, called the child of dust. Um, but but you know, the title of my book is inspired not only by Phong's experience, but also about um, a Vietnamese song by the famous composer Trịnh Công Sơn, who wrote this uh, song called uh, "Cát bụi uh, uh, Dust." sand and dust and the song goes like this 
hạt bụi nào hoa kiếm thân tôi để một mà hay tôi về làm cát bụi so the song says um, which grain of dust turns into my life so that tomorrow i will turn into sand and dust so the the song says that you know our our presence on this earth is temporary and we should do good things for each other what do you want people to take away from the book do good things for each other but i think we are uh, we are blessed with a life on this earth um, so that we can uplift each other and i and and, and i really think that um, we every one of us has so much power inside of us that we can use for good purpose well thank you once again for joining me um it's a fabulous book it takes you behind the 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 dry statistics um i think people get caught up in when we certainly when we talk about the vietnam war much is still misunderstood about that war because it was so unpopular here in the united states and of course it was devastating in vietnam um on your soil so i think that anytime you have a book that can um bring the humanity of the situation uh, uh such that we can understand uh, what some of the 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 inherited legacies um is a good thing so i appreciate your joining me thank you so much kali for having me on the show and uh, i'm truly honored thank you so much Wen Fan Quay Mai is the author of 12 books of fiction, poetry, and nonfiction written in Vietnamese and English. Dust Child is her second historical novel, and it's our April selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. It's available in bookstores and online now. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley as a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Jenny Firm. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.